So, the original Night of the Living Dead movie came out in 1968, and George A. Romero was directly involved in writing uh, and directing, like, all, all of the, the official sequels within that canon. So there's Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead that came out like a full 10 years later, Day of the Dead, uh, Land of the Dead, and Diary of the Dead, and also Survival of the Dead, which I have not seen. Um, after the success of Night of the Living Dead, though, uh, a, we a weird little Italian guy uh, whom I love, um, friend of the podcast, Dario Argento, was uh, basically such a fan of the concept and the world that he, A, provided the music and soundtrack for the Dawn of the Dead film in the 70s, but also offered mm -hmm. George A. Romero a place to stay while he was writing it so he could have, like, artistic focus zone. Right. Um, and then after that, uh, he did also... He edited the European release of Dawn of the Dead for J George A. Romero, uh -huh. and also wrote and directed uh, and was involved in his own uh, zombie films that take place unofficially within the same universe. Um, so while it is the first movie in his series, it's called Zombie 2 in a lot of the releases. Um, mm -hmm. And it came out it's in 19... different names in different ter like, territories and countries that it was released in yeah um so it came out the year after dawn of the dead and it's technically a prequel to that film and it's called zombie 2 but it's also called zombie and also also called zombie flesh eaters right so there's some places that call it zombie 2 even though in those same places there wasn't a zombie 1 yes and also the sequel to that movie i think is only called zombie three i want everyone to know that i choose to do this podcast and i'm not being forced to i am not being coerced <laughs> against my will and i'm perfectly <laughs> safe and in good hands hello everyone and welcome to good grief a tangential journey through the world of the elder scrolls it is about the journey and not the destination and we are your humble tour guides i'm daisy and i'm jude and where we last left off we were on our way to the city of wayrest in the kingdom of wayrest to get on a boat to go somewhere else <laughs> I've, 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 had it, I've had it with this province anyway but no so now we are sitting dockside and having a chat while we wait for uh our boat to be prepared to disembark sorry our ship our ship right captains get real upset when you call their ships boats <laughs> i see i've only been on a couple of boats and ships in my life mm -hmm. and i don't think i've ever met the captain of one except my uncle john Right. Were these cruise ships? Uh, ferries and ferries. Uh, speedboats and you know, sailboats. <sighs> Somewhere one just died because of you. <laughs> one uh, one, one ferry comple completely, completely laden with like, like cars and, and pedestrians <laughs> just sank into a river somewhere. <laughs> completely inexplicably. <laughs> God. <clears throat> But yeah, uh, so we're doing, this is the second episode we've done with this new 
in this new format where we're just talking about specific things, yeah. specific genre, our specific genres, our specific wheelhouses, which is to say, uh, I'm the talking about video games. Zone. <laughs> I'm talking about video games, and Jude is talking about films, not movies, films. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, some. I will, I will, you know, be fair, a lot of them are movies. If you I don't know if I would call Chopping Mall a film. Like in if, the you, if you ever sense. talk about a movie that has come out within the year that we are recording the podcast, so in this example, 2022, it will not be considered a movie. It will be considered a film. Everything else you're talking about came, came out so long ago that it is immediately categorized as film because only film nerds would want to watch it. <laughs> List I, I guess. Um, <laughs> God, I don't even know what movies are like out right now. Exactly, right? Oh, That's... there's the um, Tar. I want to see that one. I don't. I don't. I don't it know what Kate, that is. It has Kate Blanchett, and it's about. Uh, it's like a biography of a. When not the composer, the conductor of a symphony, very famous female conductor. Okay. I'm surprised they didn't get Tilda cool. Swinton for that one. You know, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Who's Maybe she was say? busy. <clears throat> she was busy being in Marvel movies. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's like, our Marvel movies feel like a vortex and like no actor can escape its gravitational pull. <laughs> well, and then those contracts just kind of lock you in for 8,000 things. Yeah, I spent, well, if you're a main character, sure, but like... <laughs> It feels like even the spin-off people end up either getting their own shows or then appearing in some a different main character's show and property. In 20 years we're going to get we're going to somehow get a movie all about Wong from fucking from fucking uh, Doctor Strange played by Benedict Wong. <laughs> I did not is his see name, Doctor Is his name Strange. Wong? Hang on, I may be misremembering. Is his name Wong in the thing too? That'd be. Re hang on. Yeah, he does. He just. His name is Benedict Wong, and he plays a guy named Wong. And I'm like. <sighs> God. Yeah. No, I don't touch Doctor Strange, but I have a special place in my heart for um, Daredevil. That is Marvel. I don't. Marvel. I'm not. I don't know if it's MCU Marvel. He was in like that, like that awful, like quadrec, quad, quad. It's not. What's what's the quad version of a trifecta? A square? No. I sure. He was in. That awful I don't know what else. Four, to call. That awful four series of television shows that Marvel was putting out at once that decided okay. to smash all together at okay. once. Okay. <laughs> hey. Hey. Now. I I think was, they've was actually was tried Jessica Jones. Um, Luke, Luke Cage. Cage and Iron Fist, and now there's She-Hulk and also Ms. Marvel. Like it's it's right. A they all suck. Thing. <laughs> I really liked the first season of Jessica Jones. Uh, I can't. I've not seen it because I I feel like like the concept makes my brain hurt. So <laughs> David Tennant is there. Yes. Was it, like was he the reason that the show was good? He was one of the reasons. He gives a okay. very good performance. And, like, um, the guy from Law & Order Criminal Intent is in... Oh, the guy from Law & Order. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's 
He's been in other... Vincent D'Onofrio um, is the villain in the first season of Daredevil, and hey, he's also Vinny. very good. He's he's a good performer. I've... I feel like I've heard the name Vincent D'Onofrio before. He's, Probably in the was... context of, the, of that of that TV show, Law and Order. So we're gonna very abruptly jump from talking about Vincent D'Onofrio because there was a cut there uh, to talking about Sea of Thieves. There's no segue. We're just there now. <laughs> he might have been in a pirate thing. I don't know. <laughs> who, who knows? Um, but uh, so Sea of Thieves is a video game. It's not. It's a real. It's a newer video game. But not as new as, like, Elden Ring, but newer than Dark Souls. So, <clears throat> so Sea of Thieves is a online open-world game. I wouldn't call it a massively multiplayer game, because usually, in a particular instance of the world, there's not more... There's you, almost never more than a dozen players at the same time. Like, I think, I think it might be limited by crews rather than players, per se. But in any case, y'all are pirates. You are all pirates. And I think... And it's a... It's a game that is very i would say family friendly there is violence in it but much of the violence is enacted upon skeletons and yeah, ghosts it's, it's and fish monsters chill. yeah it's a pretty chill game uh well it can be um or you can make your life you can make it your job to fight other players you can do that because you can fight other players but the, the violence like there's no blood yeah when you die you just kind of fall over and a ghost comes out of you um, that's what happens in real life too Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it is it the the approach that the the team at Rare, which is the company that makes Sea of Thieves Rare, uh, they they say their idea is tools, not oh, what's it called? Tools, not something. They have like a slogan for it, but no, basically it is a proper sandbox. They just a bunch of stuff to do, and mechanics, and you just go and do it. There's like some light story elements, but hardly is is hardly the most important thing going on. Uh, and the idea is just that you go out there and you do piratey stuff. You find buried treasure, you or bury treasure yourself if you're mm-hmm. feeling like it. You can you go and uh, fight reanimated skeletons that just exist and no one really talks about why. Uh, <laughs> or you go and like be somewhat mercantile and like buy and sell goods in a very basic sort of buy buy high sell no buy low sell high between different outposts and stuff like that you go exploring and you find stuff and you very often will just run into things to do mm-hmm. like you'll find spe- like you'll get a specific quest to go and do a thing at this particular island and just get and get in the process of getting to that island things can happen we've been attacked by krakens and big sharks big and big shark <laughs> There's also uh, like on this on, on the map, which is just a, uh, an ocean dotted with a bunch of islands of various sizes. There are uh, world events that everyone can see when they're happening because special clouds will form in the horizon, pointing you towards where these things are happening. And they can be anything from like a bunch of skeletons have taken over this fortress island, and if you fight them, you can take all their loot. Or there's a particular boss over here that you can fight and get a bunch of loot from him. Or there is a a fleet of uh skeleton sh- of, sh- of ships piloted, piloted by ai skeletons that you can go and fight and that's a whole thing you're in this sandbox with a bunch of other crews of pirates who you can team up with or more likely um get shot and killed by or sh- you shoot and kill them if you spend enough time to get good at the pvp aspect of this game 
and it's just it is just a good time and jude and i have played this game together a while we before have. we a while ago yeah it's been a, what it's been what, a few what were your impressions of the game cons- considering maybe some of the other games you've pl- had to play with me because of my taste in video games <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> this one is definitely the most user friendly um in terms of being someone who uh doesn't have the best like hand dexterity there's not a lot of like quick time make this choice like if if you misclick or you misreact usually worst thing that's going to happen is like you can fall off the boat or like it's it's very easy to repair damage that you do mm-hmm. <clears throat> um like if you slip up or if you don't really know what you're doing it's very forgiving in nature yes the game um, itself is quite forgiving like yeah like the the way that you can go about things is is very um and like if you if you mess up on one like craft or one tool or one whatever it's relatively easy to find stuff again um we've also like sunk sunk the boat and mm-hmm. uh you can just get that back mostly yeah the 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 when you when you yourself as like when your character is killed the only thing you really lose is time like you spend a little time in the in the in death's waiting room uh which is basically just it's a ghost ship and you wait for the doors back to life to open and they open up and you walk through and then you spawn back on your ship the problem is if you like the only time you and you keep all of the inventory that you had on you when you died so like there's no real penalty to dying except for you're not alive for like 15 to 20 seconds um the only thing that you can really lose the only way you can lose things is if you um lose if, if your ship if your ship is sunk it will respawn somewhere else on the map and all of the stuff all the, the all the booty all the treasure chests and all the uh, various uh, goodies that you have collected uh, are left like to float in the ocean for a little while until they sink. And chances are, uh, if there's another player who sunk you, they're taking your stuff. So, but none of that's but like none of that is like the progression in this game does not unlock new things for you to be able to do. You are like your, your sword does not get stronger. If you use your sword a bunch, your sword is just as good as anybody else's sword. The only, the only thing that you make progress on is unlocking things like cosmetics. And that changes not how, and that does not change how you play the game. It just changes what you look like. (laughs) Also like it's, it's nice that in order to like, level up and succeed in what you want to do you don't have to level up all your skills at the same time like Mm -hmm. it it doesn't feel like there's a threshold of like i have to do xyz for these three groups in order to gain like a new level of being a pirate like you can build up your affiliations with different groups and it Mm -hmm. lets you do different things so if you are wanting to do more like of the trade stuff you work with one group specifically if you want to like mm-hmm. go fight people and kill people well people meaning the... skeletons yes <laughs> um, also killing people yes there's a specific group there's a specific in-game faction for being a player versus player pirate mm-hmm. and you're not required to do more more than what you want in order to advance or have a good time 
require is a, such a big word in this game. You don't because you it does not feel like you are required to do anything. The game gives the games gives you so many things to do. It says, mm -hmm. "What do you want to do today?" Like it, it, that is the thing that you do whenever like whenever you join up. Whenever me and uh, the people I play with play Sea of Thieves, we get into the game and go, "Okay, what do we want to do today?" Yeah. Right. Like there's no like we know what we're doing. There's no there's no objective that is given to us. We sort of make our own objective. Like mm -hmm. there is like there's like there is one sort of overarching like concept, which is the idea of becoming a pirate legend, which is to say, get to like a certain threshold with the three main factions that involve like finding treasure, killing skeletons, and uh, trading uh, with between the factions. But once you get all f once you get all of that to like all three of those to level 50 you get a special big boy badge where you're called a pirate legend and i think the only thing that really nets you is an extra cosmetic at the end of the season if you have uh like fully leveled up your rank for that season like you don't get any there's nothing of that you gain that you manage to keep that gives you any sort of inherent advantage except for just you know experience playing the game and knowing how the game works mm -hmm. Um, and the thing about uh, the one thing about this game that what I have introduced to some people who uh, that completely baffled them was the idea that you really don't keep anything between sessions of playing the game. Mm -hmm. Like you keep your cosmetics and that's that's the, also the only thing that you can really work to attain for any long amount of time. You can find things like resources like food and um like wooden planks with which to repair your ship and cannonballs and there's different cannonballs that have different effects and whatnot but once you log out all that's gone and once you log back in all you like you just start over again you gotta scrounge up for resources again so there's no way to like get so much resources that you never have to be looking for more resources because every time you start a game you, you need more resources mm -hmm. everyone's on a very even playing field Mm -hmm. the uh, the only uh, measure of difference is if someone has been playing for several hours and accumulated a bunch of stuff in which case they put in the work um and they won't have and they will not be able to lord that advantage over you forever yeah and also if they play been playing the game for a long time and they're very comfortable with the game they'll probably have an easier time you know fighting you <laughs> they know how to they know the best way to aim the cannon they know the best way to do it, all the things <laughs> Yeah. Whereas if you're newer or more casual, you may not. And that is the thing. You can you can play this game casually. However, if you do, you have to completely understand that you are going to get bodied by other players and you have to be okay with that happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the way it be sometimes. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time fixating on like any any style of gameplay really but this one is very easy to come back to it's yes. like yep. it, it takes me a few minutes to rem remember how to do stuff and usually mm -hmm. asking like uh how do i open the map again eight right. times um but then what once you got it you got it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think that this game was designed with a controller in mind i feel like the um the mouse and keyboard controls are a little bit sort of i don't i don't think they're as efficient personally but also yeah. but also my my computer does not always like my my controller 
And I, I am comfortable with the mouse and keyboard controls as it is, especially for when it comes to a first-person game. That is the thing. Mm -hmm. This is a first-person game, and you typically uh, don't enjoy first-person games quite so much. Yeah. Because um, I, I have this issue a little bit with this one of feeling kind of disoriented. Um, because mm -hmm. the water moves, and you're on a boat, and sometimes it's a bit rocky. Um, but also just... And any time I have to, like, use the mouse to point where I'm looking, I, I have a bit of trouble with that. Right. Um, but it's also, like, I don't know, it's not, it's not, it's not that bad. Um, and right. it is, uh, yeah, I, I find it's, it's pretty easy to just kind of jump in and do things, um, without, like, typically I prefer a more narrative-focused game right whereas this game is like all sandbox yeah it's all it's all just little tasks but it's mm -hmm. still like engaging enough to not be um like a, a really like cozy game like spirit fairer the one thing i also wanted to mention with this game is how there is like you can tell that it it, it was bread to be it, it was made not bread that feels weird it, it's um uh, it was made to be like that that kind of game just for anyone who wants to just drop in like have a little fun with it because you can like you you by default have four musical instruments that you could just whip out at any time and start playing mm -hmm. there's a there's a selection of like they call them shanties but they're just songs uh <laughs> They're fun, and they're in the they're in the right they're in the shanty meter. <laughs> yes, the uh, like the the eighteen the eighteen twelve overture is in it, which is like ridiculous for it to be in a pirate game. But it Fla makes sense. Flight of the Valkyries, yeah, yeah, uh, the can can. Uh. <laughs> it's very it's very cute to be able to just like, and now and now we're gonna do a little a little song together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you have a crew, like you all can play. Right harmonies and different when, it's so when one person is playing a song if anyone else uh, pulls out one of their instruments and starts playing as well they play back up to the first person playing <laughs> for Jude's birthday this year we were like kind of I don't think we were doing it on his birthday but close enough to it and uh, we pulled out the instruments and played happy birthday <laughs> yeah it was it was it was fun it was cute um We've also I think there were fireworks involved too. I don't know. Yeah, the fireworks are also really fun. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just a lot of stuff that doesn't do anything except for it's fun to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Cooking the food is a neat mechanic, also that I ha it is, I still have it is trouble a very... doing. Really? <laughs> I, yeah. I have a hard time exactly telling when the color is changing for some of the things that you cook. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and especially in some situations, there's more, um, like, there's less light saturation, and so if the colors kind of blend together. Yeah. <laughs> Cooking in the middle of a storm is really fun. Oh my god. Because as everyone knows, when it storms, there's less, that like, everything becomes more gray. Just mm -hmm. everything. Just by nature. And yeah. So yeah, that's that is Sea of Thieves. It's a quite popular game, so I don't think I'm not I doubt I'm introducing it to anybody who plays games already because they've already heard of it. Um, mm. But it is a fun. It's a it's a fun little jaunt. It's a fun sandbox to play with, and you can play with like kids too. Like it's a kid friendly game. Yeah. So. 
It's kid friendly there... up until the point where, like, you need. You, I would, I would suggest making sure that they can't hear other players talking, mm. and go into the settings and make sure that's happening. Because there are there are full grown adults who take this game way too seriously, and <laughs> but you know. <laughs> are there other video games about pirates? Like, are there other games oh, that sure. are like this? For sure, there's like a. Not, it's not quite like this in the way that the game is like built, sort of formatting for like sandbox play or whatever. But like there are pirate games. There's Curse of Monkey Island. There's um, that, that's a classic uh, point and click uh, from the '90s, I believe. Uh, there's uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean video games, which I've never played, and I don't remember. They're movie tie-in games from the mid 2000s, so I can't speak yeah. to their quality. Uh, but Assassin's Creed Four Black Flag was a quite good pirate game. Nice. It's mostly a pirate game, and Assassin's Creed does poke its little head up sometimes, but for the most part, it's a pirate game. <laughs> nice. That's it's fun. This is kind too. of the this is kind of the only one that I've like heard of when I've heard people talk about you know a pirate video game. I'm like, oh yeah, Sea of Thieves. Yes. I don't know. I don't have my ear to the ground on mm-hmm. uh, pirate media. Generally, uh, generally, this this would be it. Oh, that does yeah. remind me. There, they do have like a story crossover thing with Pirates of the Caribbean within Sea of Thieves, right. which we have yet yes. to play. Yeah, which we gotta do at some point. I yeah, I would I would be interested. I enjoy two and a half of those movies. Which half of the third movie do you like? <laughs> uh. See now I need to rewatch. Them. Now I need to rewatch them. <laughs> is it not? Anyway. Is that? A, it's not a cut and dry case like, re, like return, like Return of the Jedi, where it's like, <laughs> and this is where it gets bad. Like it's. <laughs> I remember not hating the action in the second half, but the ending was bad. Uh, oh, oh, really? I yeah. You didn't like will we'll, we'll ter- spoilers for a ten plus year old franchise. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you didn't like Will Turner be- becoming the new Davy Jones. I don't know that I didn't. Li- I don't think that should have been a reason for them to like part ways. I felt right. Like she could have was... just been on the ship with him. That would have been or fine. like a <sighs> long distance relationship situation. That's what they, they were doing. That's they... what they doing. They have a kid by the fifth movie. What the. F- <laughs> Yes. What? <laughs> I've not seen it, but Charlie tells me. Okay, <laughs> I haven't seen the fourth or fifth movies. I thought they just broke up and I was upset. No, 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 no. They're still together. Just oh like he, just that Will Turner can only return every ten years to see his she wife. She could have just stayed with yeah, no, she could have just She could have she could have just stayed on the boat with him. She was yeah. also a pirate. Yeah. hmm She's but the no. pirate king. <laughs> yes, she is the pirate king. But no, it's got to have that like romantic. I will wait ten years for you. Yo, I guess. Shut up. <laughs> God. So, so yeah. But no, that's 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 my topic. That's Sea of Thieves. Yeah. Which I which I I, uh, I feel like it's very appropriate for this nautical setting we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. How are you tying it into uh, the Elder Scrolls? The Elder Scrolls. Um, there is one Elder Scrolls game, a spinoff. Uh, which I need to again, Elder Scrolls Red Guard, Ooh. Red, uh, which is a spinoff a little adventure game where you, which takes place in the city of Stros Mackay, which is on the coast, and there's lots of pirates involved there. Like it's there, it's a place like 
almost kind of like a pirate haven, but not but not at all point in its history mm-hmm. in the Elder Scrolls. So there's no game where you can sail a ship in uh, the Elder Scrolls, as far as I'm aware. Like maybe you can have like a boat mount thing in the Elder Scrolls Online, but I barely count that game as existing. So <laughs> <laughs> incredible. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it. Like there's no real. There's like there are a couple of levels in the Elder Scrolls that takes place on boats, but the boats are pretty static. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, there's one where you in the Dark Brotherhood questline where you sneak onto a boat to assassinate the Emperor. That's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a good game. I I like it. Mm-hmm. Tell 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 your friends about this hit new piece of <laughs> media. <laughs> this hit new game where you eat the banana rind and all. <laughs> a la Griffin McElroy. Oh, they look. have the Griffin McElroy uh, cameo in the game also. Yeah, yeah, because he did that when they were covering Sea of Thieves at an E3 the year that it was announced. That Yeah. It all ties it together. <laughs> it all comes together. I, f- I found that in the game, too, and I was like, I don't know what is happening here. How? Because I, I was at first like, oh, wait, can like players leave notes like this? Nope. And then it was like, oh, it's a, God. It's the, it's the devs, because like... Yeah, Griffin and Justin McElroy used to be in the games journalism business, and they still kind of are if you count their one podcast where they talk about games they play and like. Uh, well, and let's not forget uh, Monster Factory, which Monster I Factory. would count That's as not a piece of journalism. journalism. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I've, every once in a while, Justin will write a review for Polygon, but he's he's that's basically it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, so uh, we're gonna move on to our next topic, which would be a movie that you well, said we you to watch yesterday. But we have an ad break. Yeah, thank, thank you. I was getting there. You're so excited. <laughs> I don't know why you're introducing my subject before the ad I'm break. I'm not Sorry. introducing it. I'm not introducing it. I was just saying it's gonna be a movie that you had us watch. Okay. So. <laughs> but first, <laughs> steal my thunder. I'm sorry. <laughs> the thunder of this podcast that I think we listen to. I don't even listen to it, so. <laughs> I do. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Uh, Jude, what did we watch? Uh, so we watched the classic Zombo flick from 1978 george a romero's dawn of the dead it occurs to me that there's almost a 10-year gap between these these two movies like yes a night of the living dead and dawn of the dead there's exactly 10 years exactly 10 years yeah in between in between those films uh george did season of the witch and the crazies not Um, to not to sort of jump the gun a little bit but there is uh, there is your uh, tie into the Elder Scrolls right there because it has been il- it has been eleven years since we've had a main game installation of the Elder <laughs> Scrolls, <laughs> and oh, so nice. we beat, we've we've beaten the Elder Scrolls has beaten George A. Romero in his like big gap between sequels mm-hmm. thing. So there you go. Yeah, like there's also zombies in the Elder Scrolls, but anyway, <clears throat> go yeah, on. I think I think the zombies in the Elder Scrolls was what I was going to do, um, but. That is, that is good to know and fun. Yeah, so Night of the Living Dead was the first uh, film that he wrote and directed in 1968. Um, and then between that and Dawn of the Dead, he he did uh, Season of the Witch and the Crazies, which were both horror movies. 
Um, he tried some psychological thriller situations. He tried a romantic comedy. Um, and then as a, as a true return to form in 1978, he did, uh, Dawn of the Dead, which is in my opinion and, uh, the opinions of many, the, the best film in, in his of the dead franchise. Um, and I think it also does, it does the best job of, uh, creating his, his world and explaining the, the world, the rules of the universe and the rules of his zombies. Um, and it kind of has, has done and shaped a lot of what we, what we know and understand, uh, zombie canon to be. Yeah. He sort of, he wrote the movie rule book for zombies which yeah. the tv the tv and video games have also followed that rule book and books so yeah when you think mm-hmm. zombie what you think what you think of when you think zombie is thanks to this this fun little man yeah prior to this uh the word zombie was used almost always just in the context of uh voodoo practices and uh often when utilized by white filmmakers was in films about black exploitation and uh very often not not in good contexts um and interestingly enough in the first night of the in the night of the living dead movie they never use the word zombie um all that is really brought up is the the dead are rising from their graves and coming to life any recent recently deceased body that has muscle is up up and walking basically um and of course if you get bit by one you die and then become reanimated um of course night of the living dead is also a very good film that i i will talk about on this podcast eventually um but it is it it, it's placed like right at the start of the zombie apocalypse in america and it is it follows a very small group of people in almost kind of like a bottleneck play situation there are like stage adaptations of night of the living dead um dawn of the dead takes place a a couple weeks into uh the zombie infestation um and there's still news channels that are active there's still uh safe space like safe points and um a a lot of the film is looking at the way the media is covering the outbreak and the way that they talk about what to do next and what is being advised um but one of the biggest thing that the government is demanding of people is to turn their dead into the military um and this film has a lot to say about how we as a society treat our dead and we in different cultures treat our dead. Um, and one of the, so first we get a scene in the, uh, news station where there is, uh, our, our boy, Stephen Andrews, who's a traffic reporter who can fly a helicopter and his pregnant girlfriend who is Fran Parker. Um, Oh, that was her name. I never caught her name. Her name was Fran. They did say that. I know. We'll we'll talk about George and women soon. Don't mm. worry. <laughs> um, 
and the news, uh, like the director of the news studio is insisting that they display addresses to um, safe points that are not open, and Fran shuts it down, basically, um, as they're trying to interview scientists and interview people and convey to the public what, what everyone should be doing. And all they can say is, turn in your dead and get someplace safe and don't get bit. Um, Romero zombies are famously not fast. They are um, the, sh the shambling dead. Yeah, so not fast, but everywhere. Everywhere. And uh, very, like, not, like, super strong, but, you know, they, those teeth. Oh, boy. Um, Steven and Fran are planning to steal a helicopter and meet up with Steven's uh, friend, who is a cop. And the cops, at that point, are uh, raiding a housing project that is a building that is full of uh, black and brown people who... It's are also not only like have their their loved ones' bodies there. They have a bunch of corpses in the basement because earlier that week there had been like a police shooting, and they had lost a bunch of community members and put them in the basement. And uh, now the dead are starting to reanimate. So the police are coming in, trying to tear tear the corpses away for for the protection of the people um but they are also enacting violent brutality on the the living uh members of these households as they're trying to grieve and one of them specifically is violently racist and gets murdered to death um and he becomes the only good cop a dead one dead anyways <laughs> um zombies everywhere zombies in the basement are, so, uh, we've got Roger, who is the cop, and then we also have, um, God, what is his name? Peter. Um, <laughs> Peter's the, the, uh, the African-American cop. Yes. And he, uh, probably gives one of my favorite performances in a zombie movie in this film. He, he definitely was the best actor in the movie, for sure. He's a fantastic actor. He's very tall. He's very beautiful. Um, and he acts his his whole heart out as he has to re-kill the reanimated uh, corpses of other black people. George A. Romero is not a perfect director or a perfect storyteller, um, yeah. but Peter, sorry, his... we, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure we mentioned the actor's name, but the guy who plays Peter is Ken Forey. Yes, yes. Um, George A. Romero's films uh, deal very often with the topic of race and the topic of war, and one of the central conflicts in Night of the Living Dead is one black man in a household of white survivors and being the only person who kind of knows what to do and has ideas to keep them safe, but being inherently distrusted because of his race and having that be one of the, the downfalls of, of society is this inability to listen to and respect and um, pay attention to the guidance of non-white leaders and uh, workers. So, you know, 
we, there are a lot of moments in this film where you can kind of shake your fist at it and be like, ah, society. Because it's very... There's a lot that's really on the nose, but um, I think that Peter's character is really, really good, and it's a really important performance. Um, There's a there are one of these moments uh, which later later on after after this uh, the our our crew of heroes question mark uh, they find a shopping mall yes uh, that is overrun by zombies and they eventually like clear the place out and kind of live in the shopping mall for a while but mm-hmm. when at the when they're first observing the zombies in the shopping mall and how they're all still milling around there and acting like like go, like going they're just walking through the places they always walk through in life like one like i one of the characters it was off screen so i couldn't tell which one was like this is a fair, important place to them in life <laughs> it's like ah this is like their church it's like yes ah society consumerism society. Bad. yeah but consider like at the time there they weren't as inundated with co- social commentary like this it's true yes you know this was kind of before the era where we're we're all so steeped in irony and like... and people people trying to say things through their movies and the, that mm-hmm. back it's like now just like what what's what's the underlying message of tremors like <laughs> watch out uh, watch out might get you uh <laughs> might get you um but i think that it's it's very clear that like romero's zombies are waiting for the silence Romero's zombies are a very clear commentary on capitalism and consumerism. And um, I think, again, like the results of uh, like war and that, that whole situation. And it's uh, at, at the time was re- really revolutionary. So it's like, it's hard to watch it with this lens because this, film laid so much of the groundwork in like what zombies would even be metaphorical of because now it's like well we'll watch we'll watch like world war z and it's like i don't think they're saying anything that new the zombies are just fast now yeah the and like like the walking dead the theme of the walking dead seems to be just like humans are the real monsters Mm That's the theme, and it's been the theme as long as I can, as long as I, for the amount of time that I paid attention to The Walking Dead, which I think was the first season and a half. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So, yeah, the the majority of this film takes place in this mall, um, because I'm I'm on a kick of uh, talking about movies that take place in malls, um, and it is basically them figuring out just the four of them how to. Uh, like survive and hole up how to secure different parts of the space how to like how the zombies work as well because it's very clear that parts of the zombies like remember what it means to be alive and that's something that gets expanded on in some of the later of the dead movies um which i i don't think are great um but it's an interesting (laughs) It's an interesting theory. 
Um, because in, in later films, they show, like, a zombie can potentially be trained. And, like, years into the zombie apocalypse, um, when zombies are still around, maybe they would, for like, figure out a means of communication and a means of organizing. And... Wasn't there a movie that came out recently where zombie society started up in like in the in the dead zone? Like I I don't I know. think I think like maybe Dwayne Johnson was in it or maybe oh it was Vin God. Diesel. I, I don't, don't... <laughs> <laughs> Um Some big some big swole bald guy. But in in this one, there's, like, a zombie holding a phone, and they're, like, using the escalator. <laughs> like, they're not just... They're not fully just shambling, doing nothing. They're, they're trying to do some things. Um, and mostly they're just trying to get that sweet, sweet human meat. Um, <laughs> one, uh, the, the white cop dies... And is put out of his misery. Um, which, honestly, good for him. He did ask for that. Uh, and then the three three remaining are basically packing up to leave them all. Um, because they've determined, like, they can't live in hiding forever. That can't be what society or a new life is. Even though there's lots of things they can eat and like they have a radio like that's not living um so they're packing up getting ready to go and the mall gets raided by a biker gang and they uh crash into the place they're there to they're there to kill zombies and have basically been surviving as a as a moving pack for for the last several weeks and we see a few times different um, scenes of hunting parties, basically, for zombies as, as living society is, is adapting and evolving. And it also just becomes clear that there is clear, there's clearly safety in numbers in this case. Um, Romero also points out that in, in this film, or at the beginning of this film, this is the point in the universe where the number of humans and the number of the undead are about the same. Um, so this is the tipping point in this apocalypse. Um, Steven, the news guy, kicks it. He gets he gets bit. He dies. Um, he becomes a zombie, and by being a zombie and following uh, his instinct, because he remembers where to go, he finds their secret hideout and leads the horde back up to uh, Fran and to... I keep looking away from the names and then <laughs> and forgetting them and then forgetting them. Peter, Jesus Christ. Um, Peter has a whole moment of, I, I don't want to go along. Fran at this point has learned to fly the helicopter. She, she insists that she should know how to do that. And it turns out good call. Um, and he's like, go on without me. And she's like, okay. And, he thinks about killing himself, and he doesn't, and he escapes on the helicopter, and the two of them uh, fly off into the sunset. Um, that's a very basic version of what this film is. I I personally would recommend it, um, so like check check it out yourself. 
um, because there's a lot of things that we won't be able to talk, talk about. And I want to talk about the slide whistle. Um, okay. There is the in-universe music that plays through the speakers in the mall is unhinged. It's it's like it's cute little marimba solos mm-hmm. and music like it's like music that you would that like if it started playing through the mall speakers at any mall today um, would cause would, would would cause a panic. <laughs> it would yeah, it would activate my fight or flight instinct. Um, yeah, the uh, half of the music that was not uh, composed and done by Dario Argento and the Goblins was literally like stock film music from like a, a low budget sound company. <laughs> Um, yeah, this, this movie was, apparently, it was made, allegedly, for, like, under a million dollars. Um, it was a very, a very, like, not difficult film to do, but they had to cut corners on a lot of, uh, shooting things. Um, they did film almost everything in a real mall, uh, and they filmed at night, uh, between the hours of 10 p.m. and, like, 6 a.m. Uh, technically, the mall didn't open until 10.30 a.m., but music would come on at 6 in the morning that they didn't know how to shut off. So uh, they would just stop shooting for the day. Um, and it also did not have any real stunt actors. Uh so yes, people did do some of their own stunts, but some of the zombie stunts and um, the person that falls off the balcony, uh, that was like Tom Savini and one other dude, neither of whom were, were trained <laughs> trained stunt people. Um, Tom Savini is the makeup artist who worked on this film. Um, and he is... This was an Italian US, like co-production thingy well Kinda tom like savini spaghetti. i think is american oh he's a i mean he might he might also be italian but tom, he's a, he's, tom, uh, sabini's a pretty italian american sounding name <laughs> yeah he's a he's a makeup artist he's been a prosthetic makeup artist since like also, the 60s ha, have you mentioned the budget for this movie yet i said it was made for under five hundred thousand dollars no it's bu- under a million it's bu- its budget was 1.5 million. I saw somewhere and I heard that it made 55 million. It was very successful. Yes, it was. Okay, on on his commentary track on the DVD release, producer Richard P. Rubenstein admitted the amount that their shooting budget was inflated for foreign buyers and the actual budget was around $500,000. Oh including deferred lab fees and Rubenstein and director George A. Romero deferring much of their salaries. I see. So they're like, this is how big the budget is. It's actually not that big. (laughs) Yeah. I, the thing, like it was, it was such a passion project from like everyone involved. Like many of the extras were friends and family of the crew and random people. And met many of the extras were paid with $1 snacks and a dawn of the dead t-shirt there was in the lord of the rings uh, behind the scenes at one point there said this is the 
this is the biggest budget, low budget film I've ever been on. I think this is, I think that the Dawn of the Dead, I think you could argue, is the lowest budget, big budget movie <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that it's ever been made. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tom Savini also has stated later that he he regrets using gray for the zombie's skin because it, it looks a bit blue on screen. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. He's, he's a guy that is I think very critical of his own work and uh, everyone else loves everything, <laughs> everything he's done. Um, he, he was supposed to work on night of the living dead as well, but because he was in the army, uh, he was on tour in Vietnam. He has later stated that his experiences overseas uh, led to a lot of the inspiration behind his choices when it comes to doing gore and uh, special effects makeup. I I found the movie that I was thinking of. It wasn't it wasn't Dwayne Johnson. It wasn't Vin Diesel. It was Dave Bautista. <laughs> I think you can forgive me. Uh, what movie this, is this? This oh, is wait. the, tw- the twenty twenty one Army of the Dead movie by Zack Snyder. God damn it, Zack. <laughs> Which is a sequel to his 2004 debut film, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, uh, I which hate was Zack not, Snyder. Which is not this movie. That's a different movie. It's a remake. <laughs> it's a remake. And it it's is his first a remake. Movie as a director. I j- his Dawn of the Dead is not the worst, but it's not great. Um, and I also just hate him. So... And I, so I tried watching Army of the Dead, and it had a really good opening 15 minutes, and then it was, uh, the worst. Like, it was just not well written. The acting was, like, not good. Um, but it's, it's clear in that movie that, like, it's, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's officially part of this franchise, but it does strike me as an unofficial sequel in that it has the zombies forming society and yeah, you're like years into the, that is also a film where they edited in Tig Notaro as a mm-hmm. pilot. They, um, they, they did because they, they, she was replacing another actor, Chris Della. Yeah. Chris Delia. Chris, is that how you say that? Delia. It's oh. D apostrophe. Oh, is it I? Not two L's. Okay. Chris Delia. Um, uh, why yeah. did they kick him out? Was he bad all of a sudden? Yeah, he did uh, assault. Oh, he did an assault. That gets kicked he out of movies now. Assault <laughs> and misogyny, and I Ooh. hope he uh, dies also. Well, instead they just photoshopped Tig Notar over it. Apparently the photoshop's real good. You can't it's... even tell she's not there. <laughs> she's literally <laughs> the best part of that movie. And he... That's that's the fun thing about that film is like, it's a technical achievement. It's well, it's a technical achievement, but like Chris Delia was only in like I think a collective eight minutes of the movie, and they were like, no, we're still gonna boot you out and put Tig in. Jared Leto still gets fucking work, so you know. So does Johnny Depp. So does Johnny Depp. <laughs> Chris Delia made the mis- Chris Delia made the mistake of being the way he is, but also not being super rich and famous yet. So yeah, Dawn of the Dead is. It's a movie that exists. It set a lot of, I think, really good things into motion uh, for 
zombie films of the future. Um, it also raised a lot of good questions and conversations around death and, um, yeah, just how, how do we treat our dead? How do we, um, reconcile with mass loss? How do we treat our lives while we are alive? Mm-hmm. Is it, like... Is cons- is consumerism not just bad for the for the world, but isn't it bad for you personally? Like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It's it's very interesting, and it's not like it's not a perfect movie. Let's be real. No, um, I will. <laughs> I will. George needs I'll, to meet a woman. <laughs> George. The thing is, George does need to meet a woman, but we. The things that we did get from Fran's character was uh, the good things that happened because of that character were mostly to do with the actress. The actress was Galen Ross. George A. Romero reportedly asked her to scream once, and she told him, like, I'm not playing a woman who screams at this. Um... She, oh, I thought that was a creative direct, uh, creative choice on his part. No, it was, it was hers. That's good. Yeah. Um, she apparently m- made quite a few choices around, like, how she wanted the character to act and was insistent that, like, she, the character was a, a strong person and a, she, she would not be reduced to a damsel in distress. It makes sense to not scream when, like, you're surrounded on all sides by maybe zombies who haven't heard you yet. Yeah. <laughs> and also, zombies like, can hear. Yeah, like, none of the rest of the... None of the male characters really shout unless they're in pain. Like, there's no there's no yelling. Like, I was like, I, like it was nice that there wasn't, like, just an undercurrent of a woman screeching throughout any scenes in this movie. She... I think her performance is also really strong. And the character is like, the characters in this movie, I think are very interesting and compelling. And it's, you know, it's a nice small cast uh, up against the whole, the whole world. Um, And they also never truly have a moment where like, I'm, I'm going to turn on you. Like that, that doesn't really happen. And that's, that's very refreshing also. Um, cause that's a trope that frustrates the shit out of me. Yeah. Would you like to hear, just to sort of close out this little segment, um, of, uh, some, I found a very ridiculous paragraph on Wikipedia regarding the marketing of Zack Snyder's 2021 Ar- army of the dead. Okay. All right. With Dave Bautista being a former professional wrestler for WWE, the company featured a marketing tie-in during their pay-per-view and WWE Network event. WrestleMania Backlash, which aired on May 16th, 2021. That's my birthday, by the way. Uh, In addition to Bautista doing a voiceover for the show's opening vignette, a tie-in occurred between a match on the on the during a match on the show. Wrestlers Damian Priest and The Miz face each other in a lumberjack match, which features other wrestlers, the lumberjacks, surrounding the ring to keep the two competing wrestlers inside the ring. The lumberjacks in this match acted as zombies. The LED screens surrounding the arena also showed a post-apocalyptic city. While WWE received $1 million for the tie-in, the match, particularly the ending where Miz was seemingly eaten alive by the zombies, was panned by fans and critics, with the New York Post calling it one of WWE's saddest moments ever. And 
like you know wwe being the uh, like a a festival of clowns that it is um <laughs> that's pretty bad uh-huh. <laughs> god it's yeah it's one of those things where it looked pretty cool like the the zombie effects were good and the gore was fine um none of the characters were written well and it was like a it's a two and a half hour movie that sounds like mr snyder it's a solid two and a half and i i did make you watch the like original cut of this film Mm -hmm. which is like pushing 220 um but it is very i think in this case important for you to have seen that whole thing yeah okay um, but yeah, that will that will do it for us because we already talked about how it's related to Tadithi Howard. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so which is that there are a zombies in it, and if there's zombies in anything, you can thank Mr. Romero for it, and uh, also that the 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 also the wide gap between uh, releases of the first installment and the second installment matches the wide gap between. The last installment and whenever the next installment's gonna come <laughs> exactly <sighs> what's gonna suck is it's probably not even gonna be good the next but, one but someone's gonna play it so oh oh we're all gonna play it because <laughs> <laughs> we're we are slaves to consumerism it's another tie-in Just, anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh thank you all for joining us uh if you want to if you want to hear more of my voice you can catch me on twitch.tv slash lackadaisikill and you can also find me under that same username on youtube uh also tumblr and twitter and instagram etc 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 i'm most active on twitch i will say yeah and uh jude has a tiktok and an instagram where he does his drag stuff yeah it's uh misgender underscore wpg on instagram and just misgender on uh, mm. the t- the TikTok, and I don't yeah. have Twitter. I'm glad anymore. that you. I'm glad that you were the first misgender to make it to TikTok because there's Me a few too. out there. Yes, <laughs> not yes. all of them are drag queens, but some there, there's at least one other drag queen. Uh, yeah. There's a there's a mixed gender. There's a there's Kendall gender, which no one's getting me confused for her because she's famous. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Anyways, thanks thanks for listening. Of course, yes. Thank you for listening. Uh, And we'll be back next week with another movie and another game. But until then, may the road rise up to meet you. Bye-bye.